You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come what may. What a great song. I've been just putting that thing on repeat all week long. Come what may. That no matter what comes my way, no matter what comes our way, we're going we're gonna to be steadfast. We're going to be rooted in Christ. We won't be shaken, right? Because how many of you know that sometimes you have some bad days? Anybody ever had a bad day? Yeah? Yeah, I've had some bad days. But guess what? In Christ, when I'm rooted in him, I can say, listen, come what may. Whatever might come my way, whatever kind of difficulty, challenge, disappointment, it doesn't matter because I serve an unshakable God, right? Come what May. And that's what, this, that's what this series is all about. And that's, you know, just so you know, you know, if you didn't know, now you're going to know, the church that you attend, and if you're like, I don't even know if I, this is the first time here, let me just tell you, you attend here, because this is, <laughs> um, but uh, the church that you attend is a come what may church. That no matter what comes our way, no matter what challenge, no matter what difficulty, no matter what, you know, happens, our church is a bring it on kind of church. Our church is a, you know what, I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to let you silence my voice. I'm not going to let you, you know, when the, when the, when the world says no, stay out of the political sphere, our church is going to go, no, we're going to step in and come what may. I don't care if the, if we get persecuted, I don't care if other churches want to try to say that we're doing something wrong. We will say, no, no, come what may. We're going to stand strong. We're going to be firm, rooted in God's word. Amen? Rooted in God's word. So, speaking of God's word, we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 16. If you got your Bible, you can turn there, or you can uh, see it on the screen. I use the uh, New Living uh, Translation because it's easier to read. That's, only, that's the only reason why. That's the only reason. I wish I could use the New King James Version, but every time I try, I'm like, I just can't read that. Uh, so... <laughs> Maybe it was all the drugs I did in high school. I don't know. I don't know why you're laughing at that. That's not funny. <laughs> Anyways, come what may. Matthew 16. We're going we're gonna to start at the 13th verse, and then we're going to kind of come back to the 5th later on. So uh, verse 13 says this. When Jesus came to the re- region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Verse 15. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? That's a great question, by the way. Who do you say I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Ooh, I love that verse. This is probably one of my favorite sections of Scripture. I love it. And, and, and I've actually preached this, uh, this section of Scripture before because it just gets me fired up. It just gets me so incredibly fired up. In fact, um, 
I preached this sermon, and then a few months later, uh, I got to go to Israel. The Tuggles were there. The Days were there. We, it was so fun. And we got to go to Caesarea Philippi. We got to go see it. Oof, I'm telling you. But this, church, th- this verse, you know, there's a lot packed in there. Right? There's a whole lot happening, and, uh, and, and he's just kind of like an onion. We're just going to kind of peel back some of the layers. But first, it says, you know, Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church. What rock? What's the rock, right? What rock is Jesus talking about, right? Well, it says that, he, you know, he names Peter the rock, and he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And so, you know, some, I won't say the type of churches they are, but some churches will be like, well, Peter's the rock, St. Peter. And we practically worship St. Peter. It's a big problem. <laughs> because how many of you know that Peter, he's, he's a pillar, he's a leader, he's an important part of the story, but <laughs> he's not the rock. He's not the rock, right? He is, he, he's, just a, he's just a pillar because we know that Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the cornerstone. Talk about a foundation, Chad. What a boss. Oh my goodness. Give it up for Chad. Got so excited, I about jumped off the stage. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. It all hinges on, on him. If you built your, 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 the church on Peter, it would crumble. We got to build it on Jesus, if you build your life on anything but Jesus, come on somebody, it's going to crumble. It's going to crumble. There's also something, there's also something to be said about the, the physical location that they were standing in. The Caesarea Philippi, where they were at, they were at this, this rocky cliff. It was, a, it was a rocky cliff, and, and for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, this place has been a place of idol worship. In the Old Testament, it was a place of, uh, of worshiping Baal, right? So people would go and, and, and put their babies in the, you know, in the, in the, there was a big hole, and they'd drop them down. They'd sacrifice their babies to try to appease Baal. Can somebody, like... Cancel that, right? And then you fast forward to the time of Jesus, and at this point, they're, they're now worshiping the goddess Pan. So he's this goat. I'm telling you what, you look at culture. You look at some of the style and art that you see, and you see all these goats. You see all this abortion. You see, they worshiped, they worshiped, they worshiped this goat god who's supposed to be some goddess of fertility, and they again killed Babies. Not only did they kill babies, but there was a, it was it was a massive like you know prostitution. All right, we got a really good kids' church. Just to know, you know, <laughs> bestiality. They were going and showing up and having sex with goats. That's what it was when Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Right, so. It makes you wonder, were the disciples like, you know, they get off the boat, they're like, oh, I wonder where we're going. Wow, this is, I've never been over here before, right? Judas is like, I've been here a time or two, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Why are we, show up to Caesarea Philippi, and I bet someone was like, awkward, (laughs) 
did Jesus not know where we are? We're not supposed to be here anyways. This is, this is the enemy territory. This is the enemy's ground. This is an enemy stronghold for thousands and thousands of years. This was the place where idols would be worshipped and babies would be killed. And yet it's on this rock that Jesus makes the statement, I will build my church here. I will build my church here. I will build my church on this rock. I will build my church. And then he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's picking a fight, right? He's picking a fight. You don't say that the powers of hell or the gates of hell will not prevail unless you know that hell's going to try and attack right? He, he, he's picking a fight. He's making a statement. He's saying, Haha, I am taking back the territory. You see, I created this rock. You see, I am the one that founded this nation. I'm the one that built this. I spoke it into existence. And so on this rock, I'm taking the territory back. Come on, somebody. Most scholars believe that it's on that rock in the next chapter that you see the transfiguration where Jesus begins to talk with the Father and you've got Elijah and you've got Moses. This is an amazing moment and Peter doesn't know what to do and it's just crazy. It's, this is a big deal. He's taking the territory back. But the thing I wanna, I wanna talk about primarily this morning is, is, is in verse 15 when he says, and then he asks them, but who do you say that I am. See, that hit me different this week. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is narrowing the target. He's, he's, he's bringing some, fo- I, he first asks, who do people say? Right? And then he hears, it's like, I bet he did, like, doesn't even care really. They're saying stuff and he's like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> then he narrows it in and he goes, what about you? What about you? And all the disciples are like, oh, is this a trick question? I don't know what I should say. And Peter's just dumb enough, right? And he's just, he's just, he's the guy that shoots from the hip. He's like, I'm just going to say it. I think you're God. Now imagine that. We read it in, 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 as Christians where our, our whole faith is hinged on the fact that Jesus is God, right? But remember, this has not yet been revealed, Right? And so when he says, I think that you're the son of the most high God. I think you're the anointed one. I think you're the Messiah. I think you're God with skin on. I think you're the, the visible image of the invisible God. I wonder if the other, ever, other disciples went, say what? <laughs> I mean, I was kind of thinking it's possible, but I don't like. Like imagine for a second. I mean, imagine if I said, hey, babe. Who am I? And then Becca goes, you're God. In some ways, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
This is, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. It's what got Jesus crucified. It's what got him crucified. Okay? It's a big change, big deal. But this is Jesus saying, this is Jesus narrowing it down to a personal revelation that Peter has had. It's a personal revelation. It all boils down to right in here. Right? So listen, you can go to a church that believes in Jesus, but who do you say he is? Right? You can, you can go to a church that believes in the power of God, but what do you believe? You can go to a church who says a thing, but at the end of the day, it's not about what everybody else might say. Jesus is going to say, what about you? What about in here? Because this is, this is where it matters. This is where it matters. And what I feel like the Holy Spirit was, was revealing to me this week was, listen, to be the type of person that can say, come what may that can say, no matter what happens in my life, I will stand firm, I will rise to the occasion, I will continue to praise my God. It doesn't matter what what the devil throws my way, I will not be shaken. In order to be that type of person, you've got to stop and you've got to look in the mirror and you've got to look and you've got to go, God, what's, what's in my heart? Because if there's things in here, as Chad so brilliantly said, that would begin to weaken the foundation, you will fold like a deck chair under pressure. Because guess what? The enemy's coming. The enemy hates you. The devil hates your guts. And he wants to see you fail. He wants to see you crash and burn. He wants to see you give up. He wants to see you stop coming to church. He wants to see you stop praying. That, and so he is, he is coming at you. So the title of my message is Ground Zero. Ground Zero. It is that moment where you go, it's, it's ground zero. It's right here. This is what matters. If you get this right, if you get this healthy, then guess what? You'll be able to say, come what may. All right? <clears throat> All right. We rewind to uh, the fifth verse, chapter 16, verse 5. It says, Later, they crossed to the other side of the lake, and the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't, uh, because they hadn't brought any bread. Okay, so... They get over to the other side of the lake. They're in Caesarea Philippi. They don't have a great harvest anywhere nearby. They're hungry, right? The way I picture it is one of the disciples was like, hey, where's lunch? They started looking at each other. Oh, Peter, you didn't bring it? No, I didn't bring it. Matthew? No, I didn't. Where is lunch? They're hungry. You got 12 hungry men. Now, wives, you know what it's like if you got a hungry man. <laughs> right? He, he's all at church saying, come what man. I'm going to stand firm. And then he gets a little hungry. And he... <laughs> 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 all of a sudden, he just turns into a big jerk. 
Maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> Blood sugar gets a little low. I get a little bit short-tempered. <laughs> but they're bickering and they're fighting about, about bread and, and, and what they're going to eat. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you guys. And he says that. We're like, he's like, oh, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I just want bread. Like, I don't care if it has yeast or no. I don't care. I just want some bread. (laughs) Verse 18, Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you understand yet? Don't you get it? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets with the leftovers that you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Don't you remember that I can do things that to you are impossible? Don't you, rem- don't you know that I can do miracles? It wasn't that long ago. It was just the other day that I fed. Like, what is, hello? But here's the thing. It's easy to sit here in in our context and be like, stupid disciples. Bunch of dorks. You and I do it all the time. Where we get caught in the weeds of our issue. And we forget what God has done. If we're going to be a church that says, come what may, we can't forget that God can do the impossible, right? You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but, but Jesus says, beware of the yeast. What is this yeast that he's talking about? I'm glad that you asked. There's a, there's a bunch of, of different ways that you could look at this. Obviously, there's uh, the teaching that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had, that if it would infiltrate, it would cause real havoc on the early church. But the teaching was fruit of a dysfunctional root that was in the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there's a few of these things that I want to talk through, and I don't have time. I'm going to harp on two of them. I'm going to briefly main, uh, name a few others. Uh, but these are the things that we've got to watch out for that we got to make sure don't allow into our ground zero, into our heart, into our foundation, because if we do, it'll crumble. The first is disbelief. The first is disbelief. So I've been in ministry for a long time. And uh, in 2005, my mom um, got cancer. And, uh, and they gave her two years to live. I was 21 years old or something like that, I think. Um, and uh, freaked me out. I went and visited my mom. I got a picture. This is 2005. It's me and my mom. She, uh, she had gone through chemo. Uh, her cancer was a vascular tumor in her abdomen. It was about the size of a football. And so they had done surgery. She almost bled out on the table, uh, but they had done surgery to remove it. Then they've done uh, radiation and chemotherapy. Um, and, uh, and then, so that was, that was 2005. Now, I was, um, I was uh, a drug addict back then. Um, I was doing lots of ecstasy and mushrooms and ketamine and drinking a lot and all that fun stuff. Um, we got a good kid's church. And so... <clears throat> 
So I had this moment where I was like, I had this moment where I was like, God, God, if you would heal my mom, you could have me. So we fast forward two years later. Can we show that picture? Two years. Well, this actually isn't two years later. This is actually 2010. But 2010, here's my mom. She's not dead. She was alive. I was a youth pastor back then. She's cancer free. Praise God. Uh, 2015 or so, she moved out to Salt Lake. She had been in Texas. Um, and she moved out. And, uh, and, uh, and then... Unfortunately, in uh, 2016, uh, she got real sick again. Uh, she, moved at, she moved into our house. Um, and um, what had happened was, you know, cancer started coming back. Uh, this time it was kind of just all over the place. And so for the most part, you had dime or nickel-sized pockets throughout her abdomen and her lungs of this vascular tumor that was just all over the place. And, uh, and one of the ones in the, or a few or whatever it was in her abdomen were bleeding into her bowel. Uh, and so she was, you know, and so she's living with us. Our children are, uh, how old, hon? One and three. Um, and uh, she's living with us. And, and all this time, you have to realize that um, the church was falling apart. Church was falling apart. Um, we were... You know, we were losing people. Um, the church wasn't healthy. Uh, leadership wasn't healthy. There's a lot going on there. Um, and uh, so I would go to the church office and we would try to figure out what we were going to do. And everything that we tried to do just made it worse. Right? I remember we tried, some of you, some of you were around. We tried to do a, uh, uh, an Easter egg drop. We did an Easter egg drop. Right? We thought, oh, if we can get like two, 3,000 people to show up to this thing, like what a success. We'll give away bikes. It'll be so great. Yeah. Like over 20,000 over 20, people showed up. It was an absolute crapshoot. People like were getting hurt and like the publicity was real bad. Uh, more people left the church after that. Uh, it didn't matter what we did. It seemed like God's hand was had been removed from, and uh, so it was tough. And then every day I would come home to my mom dying on my couch. And she was so just like kind and fun and she's coloring and laughing, but she's deteriorating. She's not eating, she's just this whole thing. Then in, uh, in 2000 and... Um, Oh, let me back up, actually. Sorry. So I, uh, through that time, as you could imagine, uh, I was not the healthiest person in the world. Um, I, uh, I shut down. I didn't communicate well to my wife. Um, I got numb. I self-medicated. Drank too much alcohol. Um, one time we were visiting my mom. She had moved into hospice. Uh, we were visiting her, and uh, at the time we had two Lexuses. They were the same keys. And Becca uh, went to leave. It was it was kind of a disheveled moment, and she she went to leave. She put the wrong key in the ignition, which broke the 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 ignition, um, which then 
I flew off the freaking handle. I had full Jerry Springer moment in this. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling out car seats. Everything's coming out of the car. I got the vein coming down. I'm just totally losing my mind. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and my older sister, she like confronts me because I'm being a lunatic. And so I, of course, like almost like get in a fist fight with my older sister. It was a big, big problem. Another time I had drank too much. I got in a big fight with my wife. I'm out on my deck. I got an empty Moscow mule mug and I just chuck this thing out into the yard. I get it all bent and I'm like, what is going on with me? I'm not healthy. I'm not doing well. And here's the thing. We prayed for my mom. Lots of people were praying for my mom. I prayed for my mom. I prayed even that she would be healed. But here's the thing. I didn't expect that she would be healed. There was unbelief in my heart. In fact, a friend of mine from from when I was a little kid, he was actually doing an internship at Bethel Church, and he came into town and he said, hey, Vince, I heard what's going on with your mom, and uh, and I would like to, we got a group of people here, we've actually seen God heal people from cancer, we'd love to come and pray with your mom, and I told him, no. Because I was afraid that if we prayed, that it wouldn't happen. I had disbelief in my heart. This is what Jesus is talking about. Watch out for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Watch out for the yeast. I had this yeast that had crept in my heart that was unbelief. Let me just show you a picture of my mom um, right before she died. This is uh, October of 2017. She died uh, one month later. That's little Sadie. And um, it's hard times. These, when, when things like this happen, it's very easy, church, to bring your theology down to your experience. It is ve- that's what the Pharisees had done. God was silent for 400 years, and so what did they do? They brought their theology down to their experience. Jesus shows up on the scene and says, everything in the Old Testament that you've been reading and studying about, I'm here to to bring it into fruition. I'm here to fulfill it, and they couldn't see it because unbelief had crept into their heart. We can't allow unbelief to manipulate our theology All right, so I'm a little bit scattered here. That's okay. The next, the next one is offense. Jesus was offensive. He was so offensive, it got him put on the cross. It was offensive to say that you're God. That's an offensive thing to say. It's also offensive to go into the religious leaders and tell them, hey, you're whitewashed tombs, you're hypocrites right? It's offensive. So my mom dies November 13th of 2017. It was, it was rough. April of 2018, um, Chad, the pastor of City Church, resigns and essentially hands the church to me, okay? But it was a weird handoff because he was like, you're going to take it, but we're then going to have Pastor Jurgen take it. And I'm like, okay, offended. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, what? (laughs) It was offensive. 
So I'm the lead pastor of the church for like an f- awkward few months. Really like a month. It, it was, it was, the whole thing was weird. There was even a moment where I was so offended by the prosperity teaching of, of Pastor Jurgen that I was still the president of the 5013C and I almost canceled it. I almost blocked what God is doing in this church right now. I almost blocked it because of my offense. You see, here's the thing. If you allow yeast of the Pharisees, if you allow things like unbelief and, and, and offense to creep into your world, see, the enemy is on the move. The enemy is attacking and trying to come at you because, because he hates you. But Jesus said, no, no, on this rock, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it's up to you and it's up to me to look in the mirror and go in my heart, in my life. It starts at ground zero in my own foundation. Have I allowed any yeast that shouldn't be in there to begin to get in there and cause issue because the enemy wants to block what God is doing and we can't allow him to do it because here's the thing. What God is doing now would still, somehow God would have done it. I just wouldn't have been able to get a part of it. So then we fast forward, we fast forward to uh, January 21. We just like COVID blur, the whole thing, right? The church, we shut the church down for like a couple months. Everybody did. We thought freaking end of the world was coming. <laughs> Turned out it was just the end of truth in, on the media. I got to hurry. <laughs> Pastor Jurgen and Leanne sit us down. <laughs> hey, we want another couple to come out. Take the church. Now, I had been a part of Awaken for a while. I had the opportunity to go to staff retreats where Mike Connell was there. And I got spirit of rejection lifted off of me. I'd have the opportunity to sit with people, you know, who would, who would pray with me and, and work through Beck, with Beck and I to get deliverance and walk through stuff. So I, I was healthier, still had a lot, I still have a long way to go, but I was healthier in this moment because I was able to look at myself in the mirror and go, God, what, what kind of yeast from the Pharisees do I might have? Is there pride? Is there pride? Because when they sit down and say, ah, we're going to have another couple come out, it's easy for offense and for pride to come in and take you out. Right? It's easy to go, I'm out. I'm going to go to a different church. Peace. (laughs) But I had to look in the mirror and go, no. I'm not going to allow pride to take me out. Come what may, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to be firmly planted in the house of God. Luckily, God had been working on my heart. So when that conversation happened, I was halfway there already. I was halfway there already. My wife was not halfway there. (laughs) She was not. But when it came out of his mouth, I was like, 
you know what? I'm actually ready for this. I actually feel good about this. But even though God had already began to work that out on me, even though I was halfway there, you better believe that the enemy is working overtime to try and get a fence into my heart, to try to cause, you better believe. And so I've got to go to ground zero. I've got to go to the only place that matters. I've got to get into men's prayer. I've got to lean into the emerged ministry. I've got to lean into the people that I put around me. And I've got to say, listen, something's about, I know the enemy is on is in it trying to attack but I don't want to I don't want to be shaken I don't want to be moved and so I'm going to hold my ground come what may selfishness victim mindset these are the yeasts from the pharisees poverty mindset these are things that the enemy would try to get. It just, and it, and it, just, it just takes a little bit of yeast to ruin the whole batch. We've got to have personal revelation. We've got to have personal revival. We want to see God do a thing. God is doing a thing. God is on the move. But you think that the thing that you need to realize about revival is that revival is not something that you step into. Revival is something that starts at ground zero. It starts within you and it begins to flow out of you. It starts within you and it begins to flow out of you. That's how the disciples changed the world because they had a personal revelation. They saw the resurrected Christ. They saw Jesus in his glory. They had a personal thing here at ground zero and it flowed out and that's what God is doing in this campus that's what God is doing in this church that's what God is doing in this valley it starts at ground zero so I'm going to open up the altars and here's how I want to do it maybe you're like me where you're susceptible some things to come into your heart, for some things to come into your life that you know they're not from God. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, maybe you're drinking too much. Maybe you're looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at. But whatever it is that might be trying to come in to your heart, and, and it, maybe it's just a little drop, I'm telling you, if you want to be a person of faith that can stand on the word of God and say, no, whatever comes my way, I will not buckle. I will not fade. I will stand up into God. If you want to be that type of Christian, if you want to have that type of faith, then you have to be somebody that says, no, I will start in here. And God, just like David says, search my heart if there is anything unclean. If there's anything unclean. Or maybe this morning you're like, you know what? I've never had the personal revelation that Jesus is God. Jesus is God with skin on? I've never heard it like that. I thought he was a created being. Jesus was not created. He's eternal. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.